The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Will Harris, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for Friday, April 30th, 2021. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, uh, joining you once again from Austin, Texas. I guess at some point I'll, I'll, I'll stop mentioning that every episode, but it's still novel to me, so I'll keep saying it. We're going to talk about vaccine diplomacy in this episode uh, because there's some some really horrifying things happening uh, around the world. And the United States has the ability to help make them better. If we can square some of our own issues, we've got a mailbag including uh, uh, some follow-up on our interview with Andrew Heaton on Wednesday, including a few surprising Congress people who are friends. We've got some topics about uh, mail-in voting, some more COVID stuff, CDC talking points, and my pronunciation of upstate New York cities. All of that, and we revisit with our New York City mayoral race correspondent, Andrew Zarian. He gives us the download on the now undeniable frontrunner, Andrew Yang, and whether or not the rest of the pack is going to be able to damage him enough to bring this race a little closer. But first, vaccine diplomacy. Remember those halcyon days when we were very worried that we didn't have enough vaccines to go around? Well, whether those fears were overblown or... Joe Biden has done a very good job ordering a very large amount of vaccines. We now no longer seem to have that problem. Indeed, current projections show that we could be able to vaccinate every American, all 300 million plus of us, with simply the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. That's not including the Johnson & Johnson or the as-yet-unapproved and likely won't receive approval until the summer AstraZeneca vaccine. But with variants of the virus beginning to rage elsewhere on this pale blue dot, the question is if the United States is now in a position to share our stockpiled vaccines from Operation Warp Speed to other countries. A reminder that Operation Warp Speed was not just us giving approval 
to vaccine makers, although that was certainly part of it. Cutting red tape was crucial to these vaccines hitting uh, or getting shots in arms as fast as they did. But the real key here was monetary. We were pre-buying vaccine shots. So without the FDA approving them for any kind of use, we could have a stockpile. So when that happened, we would have them. That's pretty good. However, now we've got a lot of shots sitting around. And like we mentioned, AstraZeneca is probably not going to get their emergency authorization until sometime into June. So, if there are countries like Canada and Mexico that need shots and we have them sitting around, do we give them shots? And when it comes to those two, our literal neighbors, the answer is yes. But beyond that, and knowing that these kinds of things in terms of foreign aid tend to only grow and not contract, if you give one country the vaccine, then what's to say that you're going to da- that you're not going to damage your relationship with another country if you don't give them the same amount of shots? The Biden administration has been hesitant. Although so far the answer's been yes. Although it was a controversial one internally. Quote a article from Politico. The debate came to an uh, ahead in early March when a cross-agency group focused on the COVID-19 response that includes top staffers at HHS, CDC, and USAID pushed the administration to begin donating potentially hundreds of millions of doses over the next five months. Supporters used the internal vaccine supply projections to make their case, showing that the U.S. had a plethora of doses that it could indeed ship to countries in need. And yet, White House aides rejected the recommendation over concerns that the domestic stockpile was not large enough. And I'm going to pause the Politico reporting to get a little editorializing. These are political people. The health people, the science people were saying, look, we we got enough. Numbers are numbers. And we're going to have enough vaccine shots that all of Americans can get vaccinated. So now it is smart and good for us to give these vaccines away around the world because we only have one world to share and eventually their problems will be our problems. So the faster we get through this globally or the smaller we can make COVID-19 globally, the better it is in our interest. The political people in the Biden administration stepped in and said, yes, and what if we don't? have enough vaccines for everybody in America. And for a few months, we're giving them away to other people and then some unforeseen thing happens and now we don't have enough for ourselves. That's going to be globalism run amok on Fox News for the rest of Biden's term. We continue with the Politico story. The optics of sending doses abroad during a big push to make vaccines more available to U.S. citizens is bad. 
In subsequent weeks, they repeatedly overruled administration health experts who felt it was a mistake to keep millions of doses in storage as outbreaks intensified across the world. Now, this is a hypothetical situation or something that really only foreign policy wonks or people who live in the nations that want the vaccines are going to care about until last week. That's when we got a horrifying and escalating COVID-19 situation that began unfolding in India. A big red example of why we need to be distributing these vaccines as fast as possible. How bad is it in India? I'm going to name some cities. Honolulu, Hawaii. Anaheim, California. Aurora, Colorado. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Cleveland, Ohio. Think of those cities. Think of the sports teams that play there. Think of the conventions that you've gone to, the vacations that you've enjoyed in those particular locations. Think of the schools that exist there, the businesses. Think of everybody that lives in each and every one of those cities, and then imagine that over the period of five days, each of them, every resident of those cities got COVID. Honolulu, Anaheim, Aurora, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. 1.7 million plus. I named those cities and I wanted you to picture them in your mind because that's what happened in India between the 23rd of April and the 27th. Each day, over 300 thousand at the time that i wrote this peaking at 364,000 plus or, yeah 364,000 plus all of them coming down with a very aggressive variant of covid-19 this is an international crisis cases are a harbinger for deaths. The death toll we are going to see in India over the next two weeks will be staggering. Initially, as this got bad going into last weekend, the United States wanted to send supplies. They wanted to send the raw materials that could be used to make vaccines locally. That decision was reversed by the end of the weekend. The United States now will send the AstraZeneca vaccines to India. In fact, they might be the biggest recipient of them by the time that all everything is said and done. 
I bring all this up because it's something that I worry about with the Biden administration. Risk aversion. Joe Biden and those around him are risk averse. And to a certain extent, I get it. Donald Trump was a risk taker. He not only leapt before he looked, he long jumped before he opened his eyes. Like, like this guy is absolutely reckless in his base gut instinct. And Joe Biden, not wanting to be a one-term president, doesn't want to do that. In fact, he has proof positive that not taking risk pays because he's the president and Donald Trump isn't. So the lesson is don't take risks. It's the reason why his political people are saying, yes, 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 yes. We understand that we have enough vaccines in our possession to vaccinate everybody. But what if they all lit on fire? Better safe than sorry. Indeed, to quote our Johnson & Johnson pause, out of an abundance of caution, let's not send vaccines until we absolutely have to. And it took India for that to be absolutely necessary. Joe Biden has one big goal. Get big legacy programs through the Senate with Biden's name on it. It's identical to the last Super Senate veteran who sat in the White House, LBJ. The way that they know how to do things in the Senate is to save all your powder for the moment when you know it matters. That's why the natural instinct for risk aversion is there. It's why people right now in the Senate, Mitch McConnell doesn't let anybody know where he's going to land until he absolutely needs to, to maximize where he's going. He doesn't take unnecessary risk or gets on board with unpopular positions that aren't going to benefit him in the long run. That's Joe Biden. What I worry is that risk aversion will only get worse and will only get more pervasive. Because if you are looking at a situation that despite a stockpile that is greater than our likely vaccination target, that we hesitated to help the world because of an outside chance that a massive manufacturing issue could affect American vaccination, which is a risk. It's just not a worthwhile one. It's an important one. And we want to eradicate this virus globally. Going forward for Joe Biden, I wonder whether or not that instinct will eventually bite him in the ass. Because as much as we're going to hear a lot of comparisons between Joe Biden and LBJ for their desire to launch massive social programs like LBJ did with the Great Society and what Joe Biden is trying to do with his American Families Act. 
Make no mistake that LBJ's legacy is defined by his risk aversion, defined by the fact that he edged himself into a quagmire in Vietnam. That's why he didn't run for a second term. Will Joe Biden learn that lesson? They ask me, did I go deep in my bag? And I tell them, I sure did. You can write into our mailbag, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Chris writes, I heard you and Andrew joke about Matt Gates being friends with AOC. You know, he is friends with Katie Hill, and they appear in the Swamp documentary together as friends over lunch and discuss what they have in common. I believe they even discuss legislation. Gates and Ro Khanna also appear together several times in the movie and introduce legalization together. I would not have expected it with Gates. It puts a different side of him out there. Another bonus, Matt Gates lives in a tiny dorm. As it turns out, Matt Gates might be the kind of dude you want to party with. Whether or not that will end him in, end up with him in jail, we will all have to wait and find out. But it turns out he's a good hang. Dave from PA writes, I wanted to mention something that I did for the first time in my 48 years. I voted in a local election. Why did I vote in a local election for the first time, you ask? Was it because I was suddenly gripped with patriotic fervor? Did I have a friend or family member running? Or maybe there was a pivotal ballot question I wanted to say in. No, none of these. I requested and received a ballot in the mail, so I voted. It's really as simple as that. I write this to illustrate why, why mail-in voting needs to remain or to be expanded. The science is simple here. If we want more people to vote, make it easier for them to vote. Many of the voter laws up for consideration are making it harder for people to vote. In the name of curbing voter fraud, making it harder for people to vote is in no one's interest, red or blue. Dave, I, I in general agree with you. And, and there are states that run their entire elections on, on mail-in voting. My thing is, let's just not pretend that people don't have a problem with it. And let's make it more transparent. Let's make it as transparent as possible. What if we took a field trip of kids in? It was like part of your like fifth grade field trip that you had to go through the mail sorting and voting and processing facility when they're tabulating ballots. What if we live streamed everything? What if we had some way that people could watch the real-time processing online? Not interacting with it, not online voting, just watching it. This is the kind of stuff that I think would 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 would, would push us forward. So while I understand, hey, it's easier to vote with mail-in. I mean, it's it's also easier for me to vote uh, at a drive-thru, right? Uh, uh, yes, more people voting is better, but let's not ignore the fact that some people think that it's a way to rig elections. Justin writes, here's another way that vaccines are political. They're only doing the job halfway. I'm trying to get one, and it seems to be a challenge here in Oregon, just like when I wanted to get tested several months ago due to potential exposure. And as a state that's doing quote-unquote well on the numbers, we seem to have just lost it and started sneezing on everything and everyone or something. Uh, and Justin then sent me 
a, a picture of a spike in COVID cases in Oregon. We were doing so well. Numbers were low. And now it's like, what the crap? Ugh. I feel like Oregon was just like, WTF, uh, don't do anything, but we can't help you out either. Justin, I can understand your frustration. If you want to get a vaccine, boy, you should be able to get a vaccine at this point. That being said, don't freak out about cases slightly going up. Look at what happened in Michigan, where we did have a big uh, jump in cases. At least as of now, we have not seen a corresponding death spike. That's great news. That shows you what vaccines do. Also, the spike in Michigan did not last as long as these normally have. That is also great news. So, don't don't fall into despair, fellow Justin. Just go ahead and look for that vax shot and 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 keep calm and move on. Scale writes, the TV just told me that I have a 5.7 in 1000 chance of an adverse reaction to the vaccine. By adverse reaction, they mean anything from slight dizziness all the way up to blood clots giving me a JFK joyride. They told me that this tiny risk was not worth worrying about. TV also just told me that I have a 1 in 1,000 chance of dying from COVID based on my age and general health level. They told me that I should be super scared of this and that it's a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad risk, and I should poop my pants. 5.7 in 1,000 is tiny, nothing to worry about. 1 in 1,000 is pants, pooping, terrifying. Whether or not you're pro or anti-vaccine in general or pro or anti-vaccine in this particular case, their messaging needs work. Now, Scale, you know me. I have been very critical in how we have tried to uh, uh, encourage people to get vaccines. And I think, honestly, the CDC has not helped. They're super restrictive guidelines and and really ridiculous charts that that showed you know, uh, two instances between a fully vaccinated person and a fully unvaccinated person when you should be able to be outside without a mask is is bordering. Here's how you guys know that I'm not an edgelord. If I were an edgelord, the topic this week would have been the CDC is anti-vax, right? But I'm not the edgelord. That being said, Scale, you're picking and choosing here because you went with one in 1000 based on your age and relative health level, but you did not go with your age, gender and relative health level. When you were talking about the vaccine, uh, the vaccine side effects, because as of now, the only people that have gotten the blood clots are women. And I'm pretty sure you're a guy because I'm pretty sure that most people on the Internet are guys. So it's probably less than one in 1000. That being said. There is a limited if you are a young and healthy person. Yes, it is unlikely that you will have any kind of super adverse reaction with COVID. I'm not here to lie to you. Or scare you or immediately say, well, actually, long COVID. I don't think that works. And I think it means that we're being dishonest. Yes, if you're young, it is very, very, very rare that you would have any kind of outside effect. 
but also there's a very rare chance that you have, would have any kind of reasonable side effect to the vaccine. It would make things easier for you and would you would transmit the virus less than you would as an unvaccinated person. It is man's way of putting our foot on Mother Nature's throat and submitting her deadly instincts to our will. Do it for humanity if that is your calling. Andrew writes, just writing to let you know that I agree with your communications about the Johnson & Johnson shot. You read somebody else's email saying, oh, if my wife got COVID, she would be fine and didn't want to risk the shot. Well, according to the CDC, 788 women aged 18 to 29 have died. Uh, 2,102 uh, aged 30 to 39 and 5,585 aged 40 to 49. Just looking at women aged 30 to 39 with the one in one million odds of a Johnson & Johnson shot, we would have to vaccinate over 2 billion people to even reach 2,102 deaths. If you don't want a vaccine, I don't think you should be forced to get one. But don't lie and pretend like the vaccine is more risky than the virus. Rennell writes, I know you were talking about the vaccine wall the U.S. may reach soon and may have in some parts, but I think that there's one place in American society where I think that there has been a vaccine wall and it's the last place you'd want to wish for one, the U.S. military. Many military bases, you are seeing a lot of service men and women refusing the COVID vaccine. There was a report that 40% of U.S. Marines refused to get them. Right now, the vaccine are under emergency authorization use and not full approval, so the Defense Department cannot require them. So that's why you're seeing the refusals. I'm bringing this uh, uh, to attention because it's probably a snapshot of the vaccine wall in the U.S. that might be coming up. Uh, Rennell, thank you for writing in. I, man, that's a complicated one because on one hand, I'm not willing to risk my life for the country. Uh, they are. I would presume that those who live on bases feel that they're in, you know, enough of a bubble as it is that they can keep safe. But look, vaccine hesitancy, uh, hesitancy is, is what it is. You know, I, I, I don't know. Jared writes, in reference to the email from the gentleman from just outside of Rochester on today's episode, I applaud you and your nasally pronunciation, pronunciation of Rochester. Glad to see you learn something useful in your time in Western New York. Indeed, I did. And finally, Payne writes, living in the middle of the country, St. Louis, and growing up in the middle of Missouri through college, Republicans that I've known have always been the yeehaws. In almost 30 years, for what it's worth. Maybe ye olds is a code for West Coast Republicans, but in the middle of the country, the MAGA stuff isn't all that different from what I remember growing up in the Bush time frame when I started to take notice of things like that. Uh, no, I mean, I think yeehaw Republicanism is, is something that I kind of define as populism, which has always been a part of the Republican Party. I don't think that ye old is necessarily West Coast, though. If anything, it's some version of the merger of Reagan conservatism and the old world business-minded conservatism that Reagan in many ways kind of dominated. Like as those forces kind of eventually melded together, uh, uh, you've got what we understand as the establishment or like 
low taxes, pro-business uh, Republicanism. And I guess in St. Louis, maybe that's something that is less likely. Anyhow, theyoungamerican at gmail.com is where you write in if you want to get in on our mailbag next Friday. COVID shots equals body shots. T-shirts and tank tops, they're on sale now. Guys, I love these. I love these shirts, man. I love wearing my tank top. I love going running in it. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. Want to know what I'm thrilled about? I'm thrilled about the fact that you guys are sending me photos. You guys are tagging me. You guys are tagging me on Instagram. You're 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 sending me in emails, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You're sending me your pictures of you in your tank tops, in your t- in your t-shirts. I'm retweeting them. I'm putting them in my IG stories. But what I'm really excited about is the fact that as of this early return moment, I'm getting pictures of as many female listeners as male listeners. This is mind-blowing to me because I mostly assume that only men listen to this podcast because it's distributed on the internet. My assumption is that most women have better things to do, and when they do browse the internet, it's while astride a litter, while a man servant surfs the web for them. I am shocked and amazed to be disabused of this notion and find out that women not only are on the internet, but also listen to this podcast. Now, I presume that they're probably surfing the web themselves while still astride on the litter, but they are now doing it clad in our COVID shots equals body shots, tank tops, t-shirts, stickers, and masks available exclusively on politicsmerch.com. Guys, show off the fact that this summer is too important. Get vaccinated so you can get vaccinated and do it in the hottest shirt this uh, entire cluster F has ever known. COVID shots equals body shots. Politicsmerch.com. Our guest today is our new official correspondent watching the New York City mayoral race. Joining us from Manhattan, it is the founder of the Guys from Queens Network, Andrew Zarian. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hey, it's good to be here. Second time. Well, you know, we effectively, I just realized that if we're going to have you on for more than once and more than just let's set it up and then let's dissect the results, we have to have you on now because this ends in June, right? Like, like there are May. Yeah. When, when, when the democratic, uh, uh, primary's over. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like in the news, if you, if you following New York politics right now, uh, it's starting to get interesting because the last time I was on, which was almost a month ago, the conversation was that nobody really in New York cares about this election. 
And the narrative from the media was that they weren't even discussing it. You know, the New York Post wasn't talking about a daily news. It was very little. It was a tiny little byline in all these papers. But the last like I want to say the week and a half, this is now all of a sudden become the most important mayoral election in New York City history, which I agree with. I think this is a tremendously important election. Uh, It's interesting how everything just shifted over. And I believe it happened because something that that you seemed almost, dare I say, dismissive of became fact in the intervening month. And that is that Andrew Yang is the front runner. And now, unlike a month ago, everybody, including the media and the other folks in this race on the Democratic side, are starting to treat him like the front runner, which means Everybody focuses on his candidacy, what he's doing and how their campaign is affected by that. You know, I would tell you that if he took the the, the vernacular of Curtis Sliwa and adapted it into his everyday, <laughs> I guess, speeches, I think he would have so much more of a of a push right now with uh, with statements like the dope from Park Slope. You know, I, <laughs> you I think are be, obsessed. I think, you are obsessed with I Curtis Sliwa. I got to tell you, I, I, I think there's something going on with me and Curtis Sliwa. I, I think I may have developed some sort of, you know, plutonic crush on him. <laughs> Uh, to the point that I have ordered a a Guardian Angels T-shirt. I'm not even exaggerating. You all right? Today. All right. Uh, we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh, uh, Zarian is obsessed with Curtis Lewa. He is sending me Curtis Lewa TikToks daily, daily. on on daily. on a on a near daily basis. Uh, uh, and and yes, you are absolutely right. Curtis Lewa is now running a meme campaign against de Blasio. It's not really against Andrew Yang. It's it's he's running against the guy that he's that he's not uh, uh, going to to run against. Although the issues that he's talking about are certainly the battleground for which everybody is talking about. And that is the fact that New York City's hurting. Uh, uh, everybody assumes that that things are going to come roaring back as the pandemic Hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, seems like it is beginning to 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 be behind us. Vaccination rates are rising, but yet there is an unease of exactly what that looks like and how fast it comes back if it comes back to the level that it was at before at all. Yeah, I I, I mean, in all seriousness, listen, I, I think it's hysterical that Curtis Lee even exists as a person. I, I think I think that is the epitome of 1980s New York. Uh, just this this rogue man running around the streets in a red beret fighting crime. I, I, I think it's so Batman. It's it can't be possibly real, but it is. But I think in seriousness, you know, I have to tell you, when you read national papers, right, like the New York Times did a um, did an article about a couple of days ago, I think on the 24th, they put it out about the New York City mayoral election. And yeah, Andrew Yang on, on all national uh, publications is the front runner a hundred percent if you're reading these papers and you, and, you and the polls assume. and the polls and the polls and the polls but i have to tell you just talking to people about this i have not heard one person come to me and say you know what andrew yang's the guy which is rare it, it's it, especially now and from new yorkers i'm hearing constantly i'm hearing about uh about eric adams i don't really hear about andrew yang and on the republican side it's all about mateo you know that and i i i think it's interesting when the articles are saying the winner of the primary the democratic primary will most more than anything else will become most likely the the mayor of the city but 
there's a lot of time and there's a lot of unrest and there's a lot of uncertainty that'll that's going to shift this. Is Andrew Yang a front runner right now? 130% he is, but he's starting to get a lot of blowback from uh, just just the 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 the, the progressive leaning democrats in New York and I think that's going to hurt him in the long run. Is it though? I mean, is New York? Yes, New York is a progressive place, but if there's ever a moment when progressivism is not going to reign, it is when things aren't going well. Progressivism tends to be something that that uh, bubbles up either when things are going absolutely terrible or really, really good. Like it's either it's either heads on pikes or it's we've got so much money. Why don't we do something charitable with it? And right now, New York City is it's not quite 70s bad, but it's also not quite 90s good. Like it is it's it's in the middle. I would say we're in the Giuliani getting sworn sworn in era. Yes. Of New York. I think we're we've that. I mean, about Giuliani today, the the feds raided his house. Yeah, uh, what a fall from grace that man has had in his his professional career. But I'm uh, I'm 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 holding off, and I'm a little skeptical of Yang's longevity in this. Um, I, I I do like a lot of what he says. I think he's playing by the. Uh, I mean, it, it's really the Michael Bloomberg playbook, right? Um, yes. You you kind of you have you have a lot of left leaning policies, but you're still very much hitting that conservative core, the financial conservative core of New York City, which are the Republicans. You know, when you're talking about major donors and things like that, he is hitting a lot of those. But there's not I don't feel a connection to him. But with that said, you know, we elected a guy from Boston. Yeah. And you would you would you think know, that so- that would never happen. Right. And you would. Yeah, exactly. You would imagine, you know, a guy like Bill de Blasio. I mean, yeah, he was a New York politician, but he wasn't a a known entity amongst, you know, casual voters. I was going to say casual viewers, but I call them casual voters now <laughs> where you're just voting party lines or they're just voting whatever the name recon, recon, uh, recognizability of the name is. But it's going to really come down to ads. And this is something that I saw. I saw this week. Tons of ads for the, the race among yes. Democrats. Nothing for the other than Curtis Lee while doing a sick talks. I've seen zero for the Republicans. Maybe I saw an ad for um, I would say Mateo. I saw something. But really, it, it's been all. Democrat primary ads, and it's mostly Eric Adams. So let's 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 finish up on Yang here because in watching his mayoral campaign, I've actually been pretty impressed because they've run a conservative campaign that's mostly run on name recognition. But you're right to compare him to Bloomberg because he's kind of a more likable technocrat. That was the idea with Bloomberg. Things were going well. Let's put in somebody that he's just a rich guy that's just going to manage and take this forward. He's a little bit more liberal than than yeah. Giuliani. So maybe we'll get some of that uh, element of, of the city will be happier. He's he's nominally a Republican. Yang is somebody that has uh, he gets kind of all the credit for being a progressive because he had the bold like UBI thing, but he's not running on UBI. He's just sort of he's running, running on, on UBI. No. he's just running on being, Hey, I'm a likable Asian guy. You know, my name, yeah. wouldn't it be cool to have a likable Asian guy mayor who's smart and, and uh, that isn't abrasive. Like, like, like de Blasio. I don't know whether or not it will work, but as a campaign, 
I feel like he's kind of New York's version of what Joe Biden was, just an antacid for troubling times. And as if I like I like that so much, actually, I'm going to use that. You know what it is? I I really gravitate towards uh, politicians that don't fit a political ideology. Yes. Uh, there's something about that that that's interesting to me. And by the way, you know, 2016, that was that was Trump's entire uh, campaign. He didn't yes. fit one ideology. He was a he was he was a New York Democrat that became that is a Republican that doesn't fit any mold. And, you know, obviously we know what happened with that. But uh, I I'm, I always I'm intrigued by it. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat when you don't fit the 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 political mold. It's a positive for me because there's more to it than just party lines that they're following. I think for Yang, I, I, it's interesting because I've heard more criticism from Democrats than I hear criticism from Republicans about Yang. Um, you know, is he the front runner? Yes. I, I think it's interesting when he talks about uh, lifting the the restrictions for COVID. That's not a very progressive uh, stance to have. The same goes for what he thinks of the MTA uh, and his attack on the MTA being, you know, how they they're just filled with empty promises. And he's pro police more than any more than any other Democratic candidate right now. So he is hitting a lot of stuff. I just don't know if it's going to confuse voters or it's going to help him in the long run. Well, I mean, let, let, let's let's go here. This uh, uh, I'm trying to find the, the 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 latest polls. And it does seem like there is room for uh there is room for movement. I think 50% of all likely Democratic voters in New York City still don't know who they are going to vote for. So nothing is hard and fast uh, done, right? But what I think you saw in the last few weeks since we last talked is that everybody else in this race realized this was not just an early bump for Yang based on name recognition. Like he's in these polls, he's up high, and I'm sure their internal polling is showing the same thing. Unless he gets taken down a peg, mm. it might be already over because people that have double digit leads in city elections and have had it for months genuine or generally don't lose it unless something massive happens. So like, like what do you think? So Eric Adams is the other guy there. And it's interesting that you mentioned that Yang was pro police because Eric Adams was a police officer, right? He's a yeah, he was a police officer. He he talks about reform. He understands reform. Uh, Eric Adams, if you, if you're going to go on the the Democrat Party scale, he obviously leans more left than Andrew Yang as far as you know hitting all the the key points. Um, I, I I still feel very and again I'm not I'm not projecting my own personal opinion on who I want to vote for because I I still you know I always say like I, I'll make that decision at the last minute I I'm, I'm checking to every candidate I, for whatever reason I feel like the Yang momentum will slow down and I think Eric Adams being a New Yorker having the Brooklyn Borough presidency uh, as his title getting possibly that Brooklyn uh, vote. Which which obviously, by the way, the Hasidic vote is a huge part of New York City and these elections. You could sway an election with with hundreds of thousands of votes overnight if you get that endorsement. I don't know what Eric uh, what Eric Adams's endorsements are currently with that, with the religious vote and same with Andrew Yang. But I know when you look at the list, Eric Adams has a little bit more uh, endorsements than Yang does currently. Yeah. So this is a Spectrum News Ipsos poll came out the 19th of April. It has Maya Wiley at 7%, Scott Stringer at 11%, Eric Adams at 13%. So a bit of a log jam there. 
all trailing Andrew Yang at 22. So it is not quite a double digit lead, but it is certainly as close as you can get with without it being a double digit lead. Uh, you mentioned that Andrew Yang has taken a lot of fire lately. It seems like everybody now is talking about the idea that like, oh, he's not ready for it. How are they attacking Yang from inside New York City? What are the ads for Eric Adams? Like what, what are they highlighting that would be in contrast to Andrew Yang? Well, I think I think for Eric Adams, you know, being um, being on the ground in Brooklyn and being a cop uh, has been a big part of it. You know, like he's Andrew Yang is is for I'm sorry, Eric Adams is for the uh, the anti-crime unit. That's been very controversial here in New York. Uh, he's for unmarked cars. He's for, uh, you know, the uniform, not in uniform, but jeans and a hoodie where a lot of that has gone away. Um you you could see that he's trying to hit that pro police pro union vote uh, yeah. with Eric Adams. I haven't seen, to be honest, I've other than you know just the typical making fun of Andrew Yang because he's a little geeky. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody take a shot at him other than, um, you know, ultra, ultra left, uh, not understanding why he's a Democrat when he's not running on key progressive platforms. And, and you know, other than that, it's just it, it's not buzzing as you would imagine, considering. And I agree, you know, every New York Times is saying this is the most important New York City election that we've had. And I agree with him, with, with him, uh, with the, with them, with the yeah, New York with, Times, with, with, with Ed New York Times, who writes with, the with entire Ed, paper yeah, every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Ed's articles are the best. <laughs> so I, I, I I'm still. I think June 20th is going to be very interesting to see what that turnout is. Cause remember the primary turnouts are atrocious yes. normally. Uh, and really, you know, you want to talk about why de Blasio won. That's the exact reason why de Blasio won twice is because voting the turnouts for the primaries have always been crappy. The candidates on the Republican side have no momentum and the primaries for the Republicans have zero momentum. If you think the democratic primary hasn't had momentum, think about, think about what the Republican uh, primaries are. Non-existent. 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 I mean, you know, you got, you got a couple hundred thousand votes and that's it in a city of 10 million. So it's, this may come down to in reinvigorating New York City voters more than anything else. And if you're counting on that, then, you know, poop in one hand, wish in the other and see which <laughs> exactly. one fills up faster. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, then let, let me let me ask you, Zarian, if, if you were hired by the Adams campaign and the job was they just handed you a pile of money and they said, attack Andrew Yang until he falls out of that catbird seat, until until bring him back to earth. How would you attack it? Uh, honestly, uh, it's a very simple thing. I, it would be we had a non-New Yorker running New York City for eight years. How did that turn out? So and nativism, nativism, nativism. Yeah, that's what and you I would think do. That's a big part in this. Wait, hasn't it's he lived in New York? Hasn't him? he lived in New York forever? Andrew Yang, where's he from? Yeah, well, same, same with, uh, same with uh, De Blasio, right? He was in Brooklyn forever, but really, they didn't go on it. I think for Adams, it's really going to be the pro police, uh, but with the sense of reform more than anything else, not abolishment, but, but reform would be his. It, it, He's been playing it very safe more than anything else. I'll tell you that about Eric Adams. He's been playing it very safe. And by the way, uh, Andrew Yang's from Schenectady. Like, ah, like he's, that doesn't count. Wait, wait, I'm just saying he's not from Boston. He's not like he's from from uh, uh, Chula Vista. You know, he's 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 from Schenectady. Like, it's you know, not I would, like I would just lie. I would just lie and tell people that he's from you know Silicon Valley. 
I mean, that's the thing is a lot of people do think he is like even during the prime or during the, 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 the Democratic primary, there was this assumption that he was Silicon Valley guy because he was tech focused and Internet plugged in and everything. He wasn't really thought of as a New York guy. So you would say exploit that exploit the fact that it's like, hey, look, Andrew Yang is a carpetbagger. He's he's using New York City as a second place runner up prize. Yeah. What he really wanted to do was run for, for president and then he wanted to be in. Biden's cabinet now wear the booby prize. So uh, 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 go with somebody for whom has made leadership in New York their their number one thing in this the most important mayoral election of all time, time, time. Yeah, I I I think that would be the hit. I again, I I do think that he's very qualified for this personally. I, Yang I think is, that there's tremendous is. qualification. Uh, Yang Yang. Um, All right. Well, let me, know, let me let me let me flip it there. Why? Yeah. What what on earth has he done that makes him qualified to run the biggest and most populous city in America? Well, I don't know if you know this about him, but when he was 12, he scored a 1220 out of 1600s on his SATs. So there, <laughs> there you go. Right there. Uh, I, I I think the fact that he does have a business mind uh, is going to help him with with a large amount of voters. I, I think if he plays by the Mike Bloomberg method and forget about Mike Bloomberg of, of today. Yes. Right? Let's talk about Mike Bloomberg when he ran after Giuliani. And for the, the 30 years, he was our leader here. Right. Because he changed <laughs> laws. It, it, I, I think if he plays by that playbook, he will get a ton of endorsements. And those endorsements are going to be uh, the selling point for him for a lot of these voters. And, and, and explain that playbook for folks who don't understand New York City politics. So the way that New York City politics work is that you could be, uh, I mean, just a virtually an unknown. But if you get the top, I guess, X amount of union union endorsements, X amount of um, religious endorsements and X amount of political endorsements, you got it. It's a shoe in for you. You could say nothing. You could run on a zero campaign. But if you get those endorsements, you are you automatically win. Um, you know, the state runs the same way. New York state politics, exactly the same way. Those, those endorsements and the backing of certain groups is what gets you elected, not the people voting. It's, it's so bizarre. It's so ass backwards, but that's just how it works. It's not about me and you voting. It's about, you know, the, the police union backing you or the, the teachers union backing you, or even the, the Hasidic vote, you know, these are key votes for New York city. Um, you know, is Yang related is Yang capable enough of getting those those key endorsements that's what it's really going to come down to i would assume that it's probably because he would be close to them that you're seeing this race come alive this early like yeah. that, that that it is like they're not waiting until the month before to blanket the airwaves they certainly will then as well but i think they're moving on yang now mostly because you don't want this runaway train car to get too much momentum uh, uh yeah. the the one thing that i would wonder about is that to yang's credit and we didn't see this at all during the presidential election because he was an insurgent who had no shot he's a pretty good front runner like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and the mistakes he makes are 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 ones that kind of build his character when he's like you know, at a too big of a bodega for, for people. It's like, those are conversations that New Yorkers like having, like, like it's not yeah. like he accidentally called Brooklyn Staten Island or something, or, or, or did something that totally alienated him or made him seem like, like a, a super out of touch, rich guy. He, it's, it's, it's very relatable kind of stuff. And that's the one thing that I, I wonder about is a, 
can you get him mad or shame him or make him make a mistake or make him apologize for something that makes people take a second look? Because if they if they really go hard after him and people still kind of like him, then it is over. Like, like if yeah. you can't make him crack, like then it's just everybody took shots. They couldn't do anything. And that's a wrap. I, I think his presence is a selling point for him because he's not intimidating, you know, and I think when when people are intimidating, uh, it creates this negativity about them where you will see a lot of negative press about the person. But I, I think that some people just think that he's just like a goofy guy and he's smart and he's good. Like he, there's nothing there's nothing tragic about him. Yeah. Uh, where where you could see something falling apart, you know, like a, we're going to go back to Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa, uh, there's about obsessed. 10 things from every sentence. I, I am obsessed. I can't. I can't stop. I can't <laughs> stop. Curtis I, Lewa. I, I just want. I he's want gonna, to he's win. gonna. He's gonna pull. He's gonna. He's gonna record single digits in the Republican primary where eleven people <laughs> are going to vote. I mean, I, I just. I want him to win just so I could see him screaming at us in his in his getup, in his military garb, just screaming at New <laughs> the Yorkers video, about the, the crime. last video that you sent me was Curtis Lewa at Coney Island where he was showing video about how he had been arrested for swimming off Coney Island. And he's just doing a TikTok video while de Blasio is talking behind him. There's five people in the crowd that he's making fun of. And he's just, just a loon Sliwa. I, I, I want him to just go off the rails. Like he's running, he's running against de Blasio and I want him to continue running about uh, running against de Blasio. Like for like years. Whole, as soon for as, years. Like, 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 he's just going to be outside de Blasio's home when he's a private citizen. Yeah. Just doing those stupid TikToks, which it'll be great. He was in my neighborhood. It was awesome. I, I tried to run and catch him. I couldn't find him. Uh, <laughs> but but I mean, back to Yang, it really it's it's down to Eric Adams and, and Yang. Uh, I, they're both playing a very safe, uh, nothing controversial. Uh, you know, Eric Adams made a statement about teaching uh, teachers and, and wanting to go year round for school. And that didn't do well for him whatsoever. And he kind of backed off that that topic for a little bit when he's doing interviews. So I think everybody's strategizing and trying to figure out what the next move is. Let's talk about the police real quick, because you mentioned for both the front runners that they're far closer to the police and they are courting the police in a way that the relationship between the New York City police and de Blasio obviously soured for folks that don't understand where that relationship is between the, the New York City mayor's office and the police department explain to them exactly how toxic that relationship is right now between de Blasio and the cops. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And everything you're seeing right now with crime and and with uh, just even, even just police relations between the communities and, and, and the NYPD, it all falls on the toxic relationship between the mayor's office and the, the, the sergeant, the, the, the SBA and the PBA. That's really what it comes down to. Um, I think it's it's really terrible when uh, trying to phrase this in the right way here. (laughs) I think it's really terrible when personal bias plays a part in governing a a city or a state. And I think that's really what's happened. And by the way, you know, the NYPD, they're, they're as bullheaded as as the as the mayor's office has been about everything. But, you know, you see it in New York City right now. The cops have not really been policing as they should uh, go to Penn Station up until Monday, actually up until Friday for anybody that's in New Yorker that's listening. But I'm sure you have a ton of New Yorkers that listen. If you're leaving Penn Station, you can get off at 8th Avenue, to that new entrance, that beautiful new entrance that they built. It, it was like Skid Row. 
I, and I'm and I wish I was exaggerating, and I'm not. Um, until about Friday, when the cops and the state troopers showed up, and they stand there, and guess what? It is clear now. So you yeah. can see that they they realize that we hit a point that we need to pull. You know, whatever they had, whatever the stand down order was, or whatever the hell they they, they agreed on. Uh, they realize this is not working and they've gone back where a lot of, you know, they're assisting a lot of the homeless people that have mental health issues. Uh, they're cleaning up the areas. Uh, more policing is happening, which I think is a positive right now for the city. Last question here. Something that we spent a lot of time on on the podcast is talking about uh, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo's deadbeat dad summer as he is trying to save his political career, waiting yeah. for the attorney general. Uh, he has legalized weed. He's legalizing sports gambling. He's giving everybody all the toys that they want uh, to hopefully make them forget about whatever's going to be in this report so we can run for governor <laughs> one more time. How have any of these mayoral candidates reacted to Cuomo, if at all? Are they just trying to pretend that he's not there because they're probably going to have to work with him and they don't want to immediately start things off on a you should resign foot? Um, I, I have not heard anybody mention a word. <laughs> so, Which is uh, weird which because is you'd think that that would be a big topic, you know, uh, that I mean, if you're running think- for mayor. I think Andrew Yang did put a statement out saying that he does kiss. Uh, he greets men and women with double sided kisses like uh, like Andrew Cuomo and that he'll stop it if if it gets offensive. If people start is it, getting wait, upset is that, over is that a real thing? No, no, no. But that was you know, that was the thing that uh, that Cuomo had said where yes. you know, oh, somebody yeah, had asked yeah. him and he's like, I'm Italian. I kiss and I, I hug. I give two sided kisses. You know, oh. <laughs> that was <laughs> I mean, I thought, I mean, it's 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 all a cartoon now, but uh, I think everybody's very careful with what they're doing with um, with Cuomo because you know you got to remember Cuomo's a political powerhouse. Yes, and up until up until now, and he was. I mean, there were conversations that he could be a Democratic front runner for the presidency at one point. There's a ton of conversations with him. So until everything comes out, I think these guys are playing, except for De Blasio, because they hate each other, right? Yes. Um, oh no, no, I think no, no. De Blasio is 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 doing everything he can to take a victory. Yeah. Like the fact yeah, that yeah, yeah. the fact that he's going to leave office likely more popular than than Cuomo is a massive upset and uh, 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 something that that he is is relishing because they hate I think each if other. He could, if, if he could handle the investigation personally by himself, he would at this point. De Blasio. I mean, yeah, no, it would be a kangaroo court like it'd be over. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be like, he'd be able to take care of it in five minutes. You're guilty. Resign. Go. By the way, my Curtis Sliwa shirt has been delivered. I just got a notification oh, as, as we're doing the show. Crazy person. You're um, an absolute crazy I, person. I, I think for Cuomo, they're all playing it careful until the report, you know, gets fully compiled and released. And they're going to go based on that because, you know, they're, they're, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, I really somebody asked me this on what my opinion is of this. And I and I really don't know what to make of it because it's it's uh, he he's so nonchalant about it in a way where. You 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 kind of like start trying to figure out you know what what is the facts and where's the in between and you know which ones are true and which ones might not be I I, I hate speculating on things like that um, I I think at the end of the day we all should just wait for the investigation to be properly done. Well, I mean, look, uh, uh, 
at the end of the day, he definitely put COVID people back into nursing homes, and that oh, was a I'm deadly not even decision. Talking about no, 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 no. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But that—that's my point. My point is yeah. that we're not even talking about that. Yeah. Like he did that, and then wrote a book about how good of a job he did, and then they tried to cover up the fact that they had done it. So it's like that to me. If you're going to criticize him, and it's not up to me to say if he should resign or 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 you know be impeached or, or whatever mechanisms they have in New York State. Uh, this certain sexual assault thing is, uh, I don't know what the attorney general is going to come back with. To me, that was always a stall tactic because it's not like the women that accused him were in the shadows. They were on television. They put their name on it. Like, you know, so it's like, uh, all right, are we just going to re we could just rehash what we already know that's publicly available. Like, but this time though, they will have told the attorney general. The one thing I'll say to this race, however, is that I do think it's smart, regardless of where the morals are of this. This is one of those gross elements of politics, but part of why I think there has been, New York City was not made better for the fact that de Blasio and Cuomo hated each other. No, like, did not help. And you could make an argument that people died in New York City because of it, because they were not able to coordinate as fast on things as they might have otherwise if they were simpatico when the chips were down and it was emergency time and things needed to go as fast as possible. That being said, I get it that if you are, you know, it's not a crazy idea that Cuomo's going to be governor for another term after this, no matter how mad people are. I would, I would, I would bet that bet right now uh, because he's a Cuomo Cuomo's win in New York state. And if you're going to be the mayor, I think starting things off with, hey, I asked you to resign months before I took the office and immediately becoming an enemy for life is probably not good for the city. No, it's not good. It's not good because, you know, uh, Cuomo put, you know, he'll start he'll start choking, uh, shutting off that valve that he likes to talk about so much into the city. And uh, that would be it for you for any any new new. You know, new mayor or or new politician coming in when when you have a bad relationship with the governor's office, uh, it really is is a problem for you. And, you know, in in all fairness to Bill de Blasio, not that I'm a fan of his and I'll vocally say that about him. I do think that he went in uh, with not an easy ride working with uh, Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. Well, Something about those Andrews from Queens. They got. They, they got. They're not. They're not great. No. 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 They are. They are. They are a, a particular problem. Although I will say that I do think Yang has been smart about it in carving out the MTA as like like all right, attack the attack attack the MTA on this and and not like state control, not Albany. Like say the yeah. MTA screwed up because most New Yorkers agree about that but not like the reason why the MTA is screwed up is because the you know governor's office is screwed up. Well, remember the government uh, I don't well, I don't know if you're you're aware but uh, one of Andrew Cuomo's big things was, you know, extending the trains down to Hudson Yards and and extending this and extending that. Like he's very much been for infrastructure upgrades for our public transportation here in the city and that's something that his father was really big on. So Yeah. Uh, you know, that that Moynihan Hall that they put together for the new Penn Station, you know, Penn Station being remodeled. It's absolutely stunning. And that's his that's going to be his legacy on New York City, you know, that he got this thing built yeah. during his 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 term. And, you know, it's it's rare to see a governor from beginning to end get something completed. Normally, 
goes into the other administration. But uh, I, I think that's part of his legacy. And he's very, uh, very proud of it. And he's very sensitive about it. And I think for anybody to attack uh, the state when it comes to the MTA right now, it would be a problem. I think you're absolutely right. Andrew Yang is playing it totally safe right now. Well, I think that Andrew Zarian is playing it totally awesome by being on this show and keeping us up to date with the New York City mayorals race. Uh, uh, we'll check in with you next month, but next month will be when primetime is here. We'll be into the meat of this campaign. We'll see whether or not Andrew Yang's lead is whittled down any further. Uh, until then, uh, where can folks find you, Zarian? Hey, they, they can find me, of course, on gfknetwork.com. I'm on Twitter, Andrew Zarian on Twitter. I do a pro wrestling podcast called Matt Men. I do a tech podcast. That's on hiatus right now. It's coming back. But mostly I'm, I'm known for my pro wrestling stuff and uh, everything else I do on the Internet. All right. See you later, buddy. I'll see you later. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. This show was edited by Brett Stewart. If you'd like to thank our guests, you can uh, get to their Twitter at px3guest.com. If you'd like to email us, you can do so at theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can find our Twitter, px3tweets. You can find our Twitch, px3live. You can find our newsletter, px3newsletter.com. And our podcast, px3podcast.com. That's where you can share this show with your friends. Of course, if you want any merch, show merch, COVID shots equals body shots, all powers, future power, you can do so at politicsmerch.com. Hey, you want to support us directly? You want to make a one-time donation to keep this independent uh, battleship a humming? PayPal.me slash payjury is where you can do it there. Cash app is px3cash. And you can go ahead on Venmo. Let's see, who's our Venmo buccaneer today? How about Bruce? Bruce gave us two bucks to uh, uh, Justin-Young-20. Venmo dollars aren't real. Uh, show me evidence that, 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 that says that Venmo dollars are real. They're not. Send them to me. Justin-Young-20. But of course, if you want bonus content, if you want exclusive content, you go to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. The $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. Indeed, yesterday... Our uh, $3 tier got my first reactions on the Joe Biden speech that happened. Because it would have been old for me to talk about it on Friday. But it's our at our $10 tier that you get your name read at the end of the show. That's because they are Titanic this $10 tier, including Headphones Neil, Dr. G, The Other Half of Whiskey Wednesday, Idris, The Government Unfiltered Podcast, 100 Mile Runner, Berkeley Stephen, Kathy Mack, Zombie Doc, D, really? Methuselah, Honeythuckle, The Gen, Middle Age, Mike, Cujo.com, Junkie, Calamity Zap, D, Laser, Lord Scale de Quince, and Neil the Third, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Utah, Jimmy Montana, Appraisers are Awesome, Snuffies, Off Route 44, Miranda, Janelle, Jenny, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Charles, Archie, David, Olin, and Angela, DL, 
Just Another Pilot, Frozen Summers, Jay Pink, and Andrew. One more time if you want to get your name read. The end of the show. It's very simple. All you got to do is head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Hey, guys, have a great weekend. Uh, we should have a great uh, series of show uh, shows for you next week, including profiling a very interesting house race in Ohio that gets us into a larger examination of Donald Trump's enemies list. How will Donald Trump's Kill Bill-style enemies list affect the midterm elections? But until then, there is one final reminder, and that is that some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics. But this, this is the only show that dares talk about you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.